he came across an altar with, that was dedicated to the unknown God. And you can imagine the de- debates the philosophers in Greece had to try and comprehend who is God. And they couldn't agree. They couldn't define him. They couldn't set him out in his true character. And it was Paul the Apostle's privilege to make known to those Greek philosophers the knowledge of the true and living God. He was an evangelist par excellence as he proclaimed the name of the Lord Jesus on that mount. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. I trust the Lord is blessing your soul today, encouraging you in your Christian life and walk. The gospel of the Lord Jesus, the good news of salvation by a Redeemer who has loved us from all eternity, lived for us, died for us, rose again for us, and is coming again for us, is so thrilling. But there is a grievous part to being a Christian when we look around and see those that are perishing, dying without the Lord. And one of the thrusts of the Christian message is to know him and to make him known. And I'm not absolutely sure who is the author of that statement. It has become a missionary classic statement, to know Christ and to make him known. Paul the Apostle said uh, that uh, to know him uh, is the, uh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That indeed was his goal. Now, that should be the goal of every Christian, to know Christ, to know him better, to grow and abound in the knowledge and in the experience of of the Lord Jesus within our souls, and then to make him known. And as we know the Savior, we ought to be a living light and a constant example, a walking New Testament to display the good news of the gospel. And we should make that our prayer. Maybe that would be a good commencement to the meeting or to the program today just to pray the Lord would make us a light for him. And then we'll come to this message on the goal of making Christ known. Father, we thank thee for your gracious salvation, amazing salvation, that the Son of God should come and die on a cross for sinners, rebels, and to bring us one day into glory with blessed fellowship in harmony with the living God. We thank thee today that you revealed this gospel in your word, the Bible, and that we have a record of it. We can study it. We can therefore now preach it. And I pray that you'll make us all preachers of the glorious gospel. And so give us the Holy Spirit. We need revival of heart 
and I need revival of heart, and I pray right now that you would anoint me with the Spirit of God to make me an evangelist, a witness for the Lord Jesus, and to tell forth this good news each and every day, even to some sinner that is without the knowledge of Christ. Now, Lord, bless and speak through your word today, we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, tonight, I I hope that you have a copy of the leaflet uh, that is our guide for these meetings and these messages, and it starts with five goals for evangelism. Now, I termed it that way because we strive, but we never attain. We start out, but we, we never really accomplish and come to the point where we say, we did it well, we did it all. And so these are goals. These are things that we should aim for. Now, it doesn't matter how you're seeking to evangelize, whether it is just having a conversation with your open Bible, or whether you're writing a note or a letter, or whether you might even endeavor to write a gospel tract, or maybe you have an opportunity to preach in the open air or even in the pulpit here. These five goals will apply to any method and any medium. And they should be our goals to strive to attain our best at accomplishing these things as we seek to give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So tonight, our goal is to make God known. And I think that you can understand that that is absolutely a priority. That is essential if we do not represent and become good ambassadors for the true and living God, uh, then certainly we're going to feel at everything else. And so that has to be our starting point. And I'd like to have you open your Bible to John 17, and uh, we will read just the first few verses. Now, in these notes or headings that we have uh, for these meetings, uh, I have some key texts Uh, They may not be used by you by them all, but uh, they do offer some key texts that you can use as you would seek to evangelize and share the gospel. And I know that sometimes it's difficult to sit in a meeting and get these texts down and have them organized that you can use them in the future. And so I endeavor to have this very small half-sheet handout that you can use, just keep it in your Bible, And then on the other side, uh, there are these starter statements, and I hope that they also will be of some help. And you know that when you, you know, feel the the desire to go and talk to someone, well, how am I going to start the conversation? And sometimes we miss it, and we get to talk about other things, and we never get around, we never get back to the main goal of speaking to them about the Lord. Well, these are starter statements that might help you to begin a conversation giving out the gospel. And I hope to get to some of these things uh, later in the week. But we're coming here to John 17 and beginning at verse 1. These things spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. 
as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And we're going to take that verse 3 as our key text for tonight, that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And I take this as our starting point in our endeavor to take the gospel to any individual. We must bring them to know the true and living God. Let's bow in prayer a moment, ask the Lord's help in this. Father, we ask thee to make these things abundantly clear to our hearts and minds this evening. We realize that this is a task, a way beyond us. How can we ever cause anyone to comprehend, to understand, and to bow the knee to the living God? But, O oh Lord, thou hast sent us to preach the gospel. And we pray that we may not miss the mark of leading men and women to know the Lord God and to declare thy name unto them. And so tonight, teach us. Give us the Holy Spirit, not only in the pulpit, but in the pew. Lord, meet with each brother and sister this hour and grant that you will write these things on our hearts that we will be brought to the true goal of making thee known unto men. O Lord, come and breathe upon us now and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A few years ago, when I set myself to speak on the subject, What is God? I never wrestled with a subject more than that. And I never felt so small in all my life as when I began to ponder the greatness of God. Think of a mouse at the bottom of Mount Everest looking up to those peaks. Well, that is man seeking to comprehend the true and living God. If you were to ask the average person in Macrofelt, who is God or what is God? Could you imagine the answers that you would receive? We had one of those terms last night that many people refer to God as the man upstairs. But in reality, people don't know God. And of course, due to our fallen Adamic nature, we are blinded to the knowledge of the true and living God. And so, as we come to this challenge of taking the gospel to the average person and bringing them to know God and His Son and the way to the Father through the Son, this is a tremendous challenge. Now, the first thing I want to say tonight that God is an idea in the minds of all men. Now, many would deny that. But even the atheist writes books about God. Even the skeptic spends a lot of time and energy going all out to refute Christianity, refute the Bible, 
and to deny that there is a God there somewhere. Herman Bavink said in his work, all men are really seeking after God, but they seek for him in all the wrong places. And people seek after the gods of their own making to seek pleasure, to seek fame and fulfillment in their lives. And it was Augustine who said, the heart of man was created for God and it cannot find rest until it rests in the Father's heart. And so the restlessness that is among the populations of the earth and in our families, our neighbors, the restlessness, the dissatisfaction, the seeking after something, but they know not what, is really the vacuum in the human heart without God. Jeremiah said that he forsakes the fountain of living waters and hews out broken cisterns that can hold no water. And that, of course, manifests itself in all kinds of dissatisfaction. And I had in mind to speak tonight about the alcoholic, the drug addict, or the person who has fallen into vice and the worst of ways, all to seek fulfillment for an empty life. And you know the story so well. Now, when Paul the Apostle was preaching on Mars Hill in Athens, he came across an altar with, that was dedicated to the unknown God. And you can imagine the de debates the philosophers in Greece had to try and comprehend who is God. And they couldn't agree. They couldn't define him. They couldn't set him out in his true character. And it was Paul the Apostle's privilege to make known to those Greek philosophers the knowledge of the true and living God. He was an evangelist par excellence as he proclaimed the name of the Lord Jesus on that mount. Now, God is an idea, and that helps us. That is our way in, because there are many people, if you can get them in a moment of quest, who are searching, and we can say to them, God is there, and God can be known. Now, God is an idea. He is also a fact. He has revealed himself in creation. And you can go down that line and speak of the marvels of this world and the universe. And behind the uh, creation of this world is cause and effect. You can't have a created world with design even take the human body, the human mind, and all its intricacies and wonders without the power and the wisdom of a creator. God, of course, has revealed himself in the Bible. Did you ever notice that Genesis 1 verse 1 doesn't really define God? It just simply says, in the beginning, God. And the Bible doesn't go out to tell you that there is a God. The Bible simply says, God. And throughout this book, God reveals himself over and over and over. Now, you could take Genesis 1 verse 1 
and begin a conversation. In the beginning, God. And you could open up and expand that conversation. God made this world, and God made us, and we are made in his image. We'll deal with that more tomorrow evening when we get to man's purpose or God's purpose for man. Then also God has revealed himself in his Son, the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And so God is a fact. By way of creation, we know that. By the light of the Bible, we know that. And by the wonder of Jesus' life, we know that God is a fact. And this is a great help to the evangelist. No one with their right senses can deny who God is. A couple of weeks ago, I visited a neighbor. Well, I was going around with leaflets in the neighborhood. I came across this young man in his garage, and I began to talk to him. And I was asking him just a few basic questions to see what he knew of God, and he knew absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing. And I have to go back with the Bible. But one thing I did ask him, what year is it? 2022. Where did that come from? That was the year of Jesus' birth. Now, this lad seemed to be 17, 18 years old. I could be wrong. I'm I'm terrible at guessing young people's ages, especially young ladies. I I don't even try anymore. I remember asking someone, what school do you go to? Oh, I'm long past school. So that's dangerous. But when you realize that God is a fact, it strengthens us in our evangelism. Now, the third thing is God is a trinity. The revelation of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it even comes into his work in that first week of creation, in the beginning God. But we're told that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. And John 1 tells us that nothing was made that was made without our Lord Jesus. And so right there we have the Trinity. Now you cannot represent the true God without discussing the Trinity. Now, I wouldn't recommend starting off a conversation, walking up to saying, do you know how to explain the Trinity? That would confuse the best of Christians because it is a revealed doctrine. We don't learn that from the trees or the mountains or the seas, but we learn it in the Word of God. And I think of Patrick as he stood before the Irish Druid kings. And as he was witnessing to them of his God, he used the three-leaf shamrock and explained them to them who God is. And at some point, we have to express the gospel as a Trinitarian plan. God the Father sent his Son, and they are separate persons. And God the Son finished the work of redemption on the cross. And to bring it into the heart of man, God the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit into our hearts, by whom we are born again. And each person of the Trinity has their role in man's salvation. God the Father planned it. God the Son bought it. God the Holy Spirit wrought it within our hearts. 
And so we cannot escape the Trinity as we would explain and declare the gospel. Now you have some key texts there. I notice that we have Genesis 1.26 and uh, we have the baptismal formula, Matthew 28.19. Again, that is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now this discussion on the Trinity becomes very important in evangelism to counter the cults. The cults deny that our Lord Jesus is God. They deny that he is divine and equal with the Father. They deny the Trinity. They deny that the true God is triune. And they preach, therefore, a different God, not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They say that Jesus was created at a later point. And they reduce his divinity, or outrightly deny it, and so to preach and present the true gospel, and to guard converts who are one to the gospel, they need to be brought on board immediately with an understanding of the triune nature of God and the gospel that we preach. And that brings glory to the Father. It brings glory to the Son. He is God. And it gives the rightful place and glory to the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. I remember as a student when we were at our week of prayer in Kilkeel. And there was a guest house that we stayed at. And in the evenings after mealtime, the ministers and students would be gathered informally around a, a sitting room. And someone asked uh, Reverend Beggs the question, can anyone who denies the gospel be saved? Or do they know God? And instantly he said, no, absolutely not. Now to me as a young believer and a student minister, that, that was an education in itself. And the culture abounding. I noticed that they're, they're all over. And we have a challenge to counter the cults. And we must preach and teach that our God is a trinity. Number four, God is a spirit. That is essential. John 4, 24. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Why? Because God is a spirit. Now, we love to sing the hymn, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. We worship the invisible God. He has no physical frame. He has no body. The Bible may speak of God's hands or his right arm or the eye of the Lord, but those are helps to us who read the Bible in human terms to comprehend God's actions or his character. But God has no body. He has no material frame. Moses, when he was brought into the very presence of God, we are told, saw no similitude. Now, the key text to that is Deuteronomy 4 and 12 to 15. And you have it in your notes. We don't need to go there. Uh, but he was warned, take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves. For ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb, 
out of the midst of the fire. And those who were nearest to God and saw most of his glory, they saw no similitude, no picture, no carving, no likeness, no painting. They saw but his, the light and majesty of his glory. Now, as we evangelize, we must remember that. Because I know in Canada, we're living in the midst of idols, a people that have religions where they bow down to objects and they create carvings and turn many things into idols. And in Romans 1, we learn that as well, how man turns the creator into a creature and begins to worship the form of something that they call their God. But in our witnessing and evangelism of the gospel, we must call people, as they did in Thessalonica, to turn away from their idols and turn to the living God. I remember preaching in Singapore a number of years ago, and people were coming to faith in Christ from Buddhism and Hinduism. And those are religions of multiple deities or so supposed deities. And when they came into, it was the Bible Presbyterian church that I was invited to preach at, and when they were brought into the fellowship of that church, they had to make a public announcement denouncing idolatry. Because of that culture, it was required. And there ought to be no toleration whatsoever in the Christian church, no compromise whatsoever to any idea that God can be worshipped visibly. I remember in my church in Cloverdale, I would invite people to look around and look at the walls and look at the, any decor in the church and say, is there anything here that you might call a likeness to God? Because the first thing I'm going to do is get rid of it. And of course, we have the burning bush. And I was always afraid that somebody with an idolatrous mind would look at that bush and get some idol in their mind. And I said to them, I said, if that bothers you, I'll get rid of it. The last thing we must do in our evangelism is to encourage anyone in idolatry, but rather we must call them to renounce it, repent of it, and turn to the true and living God who is... You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I want to challenge you to evangelize today. Do something to reach a soul with the gospel. Make a phone call, write a letter, visit a neighbor, or give out a Bible, or as we offer these little booklets, A New Beginning, you could use those, and we'll send you a free copy or 10 for $25. Now, we would love to hear from you if we can be of help to equip you to become a good evangelist of the gospel. And so join us, please, each day as we let the Bible speak, and stay tuned for these closing announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.